It's a multi-part. It's a multi-parter. Welcome to Tangent Space. I'm John K. Hyas. And I'm Brandon Anderson. On this episode, we'll be talking about dystopia and post-apocalyptic scenarios, media, and all that fun stuff. Because nothing says summer like nuclear winter. At least to Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of classic dystopian books, for one, right? Sci-fi books mm-hmm. that like everyone reads in high school or maybe in college. Uh, some point someone makes you read Fahrenheit 451 or 1984 or something. Mm-hmm. And there's, there was this period I remember in high school where they like feels like they're trying to break your spirits or something. <laughs> they just keep giving you really, really awful literature, like depressing stuff. Uh, I thought it was some kind of conspiracy at the time. But anyway, I think it actually is a really useful thing to give to a, someone young is this idea that, you know, of a dystopian society shown in those ones I mentioned anyway, is like a, a bleak eventuality of something we have in society now. Mm-hmm. So it's a good way to put in your brain the the instinct to extrapolate, right? So you you see something bad now in your society. You, you don't just think, oh, you know, society is a static thing. Right. I was just born here. It's like this. It's always going to be like this. You You start to think like, Something's bad now. It could get irretrievably and horribly worse in the future. So it makes you maybe want to, you know, like act earlier, uh, just to prevent that kind of thing. Right. Think about the consequences of allowing something that's not great, but come on, it's not so bad. Yeah. Where does this see where that yeah, can go? We're giving up freedoms now, but then in fifty years, all of a sudden, right? You got the rats in your face and yeah, the, whatnot. <laughs> the classic. Uh, what is it called? Like boiling a frog. Is that what the yeah, analogy yeah, is, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Do it ever so slowly so the frog doesn't notice. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's where it started anyway for me. But it's real popular. It's all over in books and movies and TV shows. Yeah, we were coming up with a list as we were preparing for this episode and it was... There's no shortage across yeah, everything. Crazy extensive. TV, movies, comic books, video yeah. games, yeah. basically everything. Yeah. Um, so maybe the first question is like, so why, you know, why are these things popular? Mm. Yeah. So I was trying to think a little bit about this and right. I don't know, on some basic level when you were just saying about introducing students or like high school students, college students, dystopian stuff, that made me think you don't really do like utopian stuff because there's not... It's not like you can't write a good story, I think, right? There has to be conflict. And if it's actually right. utopian, then there's no conflict. Right. Or, you know, at least on a basic level, For it's sure. easier to have arcs and interesting stuff going on if things are bad. Of course, yeah. Um, although you do read some kind of utopian type stuff. I, I vaguely remember but some. But it didn't stick with you. Right, exactly. Sure. I don't remember the, the name or what happened. I just remember things were nice. and Dianotopia. Yeah. yeah but like 1984 <laughs> sticks with you. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's like one of the fulfills one of the noble purposes of sci-fi though right is to make like political or societal comments you know but really poignant because you exaggerate it a lot right so so you can say something mm-hmm. about you know the way women are treated now 
by having the handmaid's tale or something right where it's all like taken to up you know up to 11 Mm -hmm. and put in a a setting that makes you realize it's already not good yeah so you want to try to categorize them a bit yeah so a few categories we saw when we were discussing them right i think a big divide was ones that are clearly post-apocalyptic right right so some big event has happened or something happened to shake things up enough that like all the the order is lost right somehow a newly reformed society is like just hell (laughs) yeah to contrast that with variations on things like progression of technology or certain social issues yeah Mm -hmm. i think that's a pretty good like first divide yeah okay okay yeah so let's talk about those two Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's start with the apocalypse stuff, right? Let's start at the end. Yeah, <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that's like Terminator, mm-hmm. like nuclear war or, you know, Planet of the Apes kind of thing. You can have zombies and right. you can have virus ones. Sure, you all know, the zombie stuff like is that. typically yeah. like that. Yeah, or something that like just killed most of the population is mm-hmm. usually what, what, what starts this. And I think, to me, this is really like a interesting tangent about it is what makes the apocalypse itself so appealing of a story like why are people obsessed with it we just Mm. keep saying this story over and over and it's it's not just in like media or anything i think i've noticed this like people as they get older like across the board are always saying like Oh, the world is so much worse now. It's right. definitely coming towards something. They always say these weird enigmatic mm-hmm. old people thing, you know, like, yeah, mm, it's probably not gonna, probably not gonna last. Can't can't keep on like this. Like, yeah, they always say something like that, and it's always a bit twisted, like almost like they're wishing for it. I always pick up on this feeling, like they would. You know, the the world had it coming, you know, like. <laughs> what? But how much of it is too, like, if you're, you know, realizing your life is finite, you're not going to be around, how much right. do you want to see the end? Right. You don't want to think about something happening exactly. after you're gone. That's definitely one of the motivations, I think, mm. for why this is so popular. Like, if you know you're going to die, you're like, well, the world is might as well die too. <laughs> like. <laughs> if I can't have it, no one can. Yeah. It's uncomfortable to think of it going on without you yeah. and like, just sort of a, you're kill your dog when you die kind of thing <laughs> viking thing or something <laughs> i think that's probably one of the bigger uh fears or worries about something like death mm-hmm. is that everything else is going to continue without you yeah. in the grand scheme of things you're nothing yeah everything else will keep going yeah so the fact that you'd be around for the end of days and yeah. see everything finish as well then well you got some company right. i guess and it's yeah all coming to an end yeah i mean while you're alive you sort of participate Right. right, you 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 believe there's some structure and some way to behave, and like you put all this work into just keeping the world going, you know, like, and then it's kind of as you get older, right? It starts to diverge from you, like it starts to work in a way that you don't understand anymore. Right. The rules change now. You're like, well, I don't understand what the kids are doing. Right. This can't this can't go on. Like, but but it it's super resilient. I mean, so far anyway, mm-hmm. like. It will be totally different and still fine, like which is weird because you thought that it mattered so much, everything right. you did, and then you see that the system is so resilient. Sort of, I don't know, is it just spite? You're just like, well, f you. And how much is that? Maybe because, like, at least we don't have children, 
Right, so if you have children, I would imagine you'd right. be a little more... I know, but it's... So how many of these people don't have children? No, no. None of them. They all have kids. Yeah. They, <laughs> like, they... This is my dad. This is like everybody's dad. Like I, I, I hear this stuff. telling it to their kids even. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, okay. So old people, I don't know, but but it's not. They're not the only ones, right? All this blockbuster stuff, right? Uh, you know, like Armageddon and real apocalypse-driven movies, right? Not even with the dystopia. Everybody loves it. So anyway, I, yeah, I was trying to think. I mean. It, Okay, one, it's it's dramatic to, like, try to stop it. Right. It's the biggest stakes yeah. possible, yeah. right? Of course, right? But that's not... Like, people still, especially in, like, blockbuster stuff, like Independence Day, kind of, you know, 2012, whatever. Like, they just want to see the world blow up in a movie, right? Sure, yeah. They just want to see... Spectacle. Yeah, like, they don't even care that we lost. Like, right. it's just, that's what you want to see. Was that... Do you think that makes... People feel a little better. Be like, well, man, maybe life or things in the world aren't so great, but it's not like it's all actually ending. Just some perspective. Could have a reverse. Like a go to a funeral and feel alive kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we still have a world. We still have a life. So. Yeah, it could be. It's not the zombie apocalypse. So how bad could it be? I don't know. I'm a little more jaded. (laughs) (laughs) Like I mean, I don't know if that makes me feel that way either. Yeah. It just as a thought that maybe yeah. that's part yeah. of the entertainment value of seeing be. something worse. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, but then to come back to the dystopian stuff, I think a lot of the allure of the post-apocalyptic dystopia mm-hmm. is that all of a sudden the population being drastically reduced makes everybody who's left super important. Sure. You're like, your importance is all of a sudden, you used to be just like one in a bajillion people. You didn't matter. Never had an original thought. Yeah. There's nothing you could do other people couldn't do. And now you're like the only person that can, you know. Sure. Yeah. 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 So you can see it kind of as a reaction to thinking about like globalization and about yeah, like totally. being so connected to a larger world, diminishing your own place in it. Yeah. Totally. At least it can feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of sad. I think there's also, and I think this will go back to how sci-fi and fantasy use this to explore issues is that it also puts, as you say, you have a limited group of people or the stakes are really high. Mm-hmm. So you get a chance to really see in some sense, like what do you think people are capable of? Right. Like, can they, in the face of all this, they don't give up. They manage to survive. They manage to right. whatever, delay the inevitable, whatever it is they're doing. It kind of sure. helps highlight by taking an extreme situation, maybe brings out extreme qualities yeah. that you can see. Well, yeah, it's a consequenceless thing, right? Which is, yeah, I mean, that's why a lot of it turns dystopian, I think, is because people just assume everyone's going to, without a government or whatever, would just turn into animals, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this yeah. will be Lord of the Flies, like... Yeah, there's this whole um, post-apocalyptic or this kind of mm-hmm. survival genre. Definitely noticed an uptick in that in the last, whatever, mm-hmm. five, ten years. These these things where it's just, like, people in a world have to survive. Yeah. Like, you have to fight other people or monsters. You have to get supplies. Yeah. Um, that's been like a very popular genre oh, yeah, recently. The, yeah, Robinson Crusoe kind of thing. Yeah, survival. Yeah. yeah. In often in a kind of post apocalyptic dystopian yeah. setting. There's no one to turn to. There's no yeah. um agency, there's no government, there's no right. peacekeeping force or anything like that. It's just you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a I think that's partly a kind of an escapist fantasy yeah. a lot too. Like you you're sort of burdened by the you know infinite decisions that you have now 
right? Like, right. what am I going to be? What do I do with right. my life? Like, why? Right. Blah, blah, so take like, the opposite. Yeah, where you just, just live like, to the no next choice. Yeah. Like, okay, mm-hmm. there's probably only one or two ways I can survive. Yeah. yeah. People just want to, you know, have reduced decisions. Well, they don't want to, you know, make their breakfast and make their bed and like, yeah, no, it's not entertaining. Should have cranked up the, you know, emotion RNG thing we were talking about. (laughs) Can deal with these inconsequential things better. We wouldn't have to fantasize about having no choices. It kind of does that, right? It makes it a life or death thing. You have to do this. Yeah. To live or yeah. not. Well, I'm saying you just got to amp your emotions up mm. to where it feels like yeah. life or death. Like if I don't make my bed this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the world depends on me. Yeah. Cleaning yeah. my dishes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the the apocalypse like reduced thing it also often leads to dystopia because of that survival type situation is where you get like authoritarian setups mm. fast I mean, it goes back to the basics yeah, of if you might can makes convince right. people you know even if it's not true or you know there is really a survival situation like everyone's just willing to get in line they don't debate they just do whatever and it lets the like power hungry crazy people take over mm. yeah there's always these groups right mad max or any of the costner ones or whatever like that just seized power immediately because yeah. they were faster can I, I'm going to sidebar on Mad Max. Please do. Because my... So I've seen a few of the movies. Um, and yeah, it has a dystopian type setting. Definitely a survival. You know, there's these rival gangs. Resources are very limited. So mm. it's definitely that kind of setting. Not enough blood boys. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in no way, to me, do you know that that's not just an isolated area. Oh, and yeah. so, so my theory on this is it's really... It's just Australia. People are like in the outback. They're in like the real parts of Australia. <laughs> They've gone crazy, ran out of gasoline, and have water. Right, it's like the village or something. Yeah, you and just, just zoom out at the end of Mad Max. Yeah, and they're just like fighting each other, but everything else is okay. Yeah. yeah, everyone else is totally fine. These people have just gone nuts. <laughs> just Australia. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. It could be. There's a lot of That's my take. over there. That's Ooh, my God take. God knows what's going on. Yeah, it. it could be happening right now. It could be a documentary, for all we know. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> hmm. Totally. Well, I think related, I think that's something that maybe will help us relate those to the kind of more progression or seeing how society and technology Mm -hmm. is changing. A lot of those, and I think this must be also a function of the time period, was worrying about nuclear war, right? About uh, like Canticle for Leibowitz is like a a great All of a sudden there became like a scientifically backed up fear of the apocalypse, which is pretty new. It became a, someone literally would just press one button and that would be the end of the world. Yeah. Um, so, which is terrifying, and which I think appears in a lot of the literature and the movies and and all of that. And that's right. in one way these apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic ones explore mm-hmm. these kind of a danger of a new technology, for instance. Sure. Right. It was something they had. Oh yeah. And now it suddenly changed everything, and right. you could easily end up in this yeah terrible and genetic aftermath. manipulation or bioweapons or stuff. Does right. A lot of this too. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times it it's like depicted as a sort of retribution right like we deserved it you know we should we meddled with things we shouldn't have you know what i mean and this is what we get when you do that yeah i think maybe that's part of the motivation for wanting the apocalypse too is just guilt right so you you feel guilty about stuff and and you feel like that's what you know or maybe there's like a collective guilt you know when you you go out and you see things that 
humanity has done or you mm. see the news all the time and see how shitty everybody is to everyone, mm. you know, and like, and you start to think, you know, maybe we like aren't that great. And there's clearly we're in that situation. I mean, really, we are in the post-apocalyptic situation in that before us, everything got wiped out. Like there was no humans, right? And yeah. we just started from scratch and there was no government. And now here we are like, yeah. I mean, no one's going to tell us that we're wrong. So, you know, maybe there's some still wish for that. Hmm. (laughs) Oh, that face is not transmitted via audio, sadly. Um, Well, so I think that would tie in well with thinking about like a lot of these dystopian ones to get away from clear post-apocalyptic but dystopian ones of some technology or some change whether it's a biological thing or pure technology it doesn't have to kill everyone without yeah it can still really upset society that way yeah yeah so i don't know where to start with that one but yeah maybe like gattaca for example Mm. right it's just really like that movie but i mean it is even now like it's kind of an older movie but it's still quite believable right it's becoming more believable every day yeah yeah you just do some i mean it's not even like they're doing genetic manipulation in it right there's no crispr there's none of that it's just making a bunch of fertilized eggs and and picking the best one you know i mean that's sort of already the case right like they look for genetic defects early yeah you can you can test for certain ones now and Yeah. yeah it's getting to the point where yeah soon maybe you can do use things like crispr and yeah. you know where that might lead to be able to edit genes and mm-hmm. you know as we understand the genome better to be like okay i know these genes will give these qualities yeah. and so i want to get rid of them yeah yeah you know, i mean it's, stuff. a lot of it sounds but, great yeah but it's just this like this all-seeing eye you know that like you know can tell your destiny from the get-go mm-hmm. right so i mean i mean that's not that uncommon for these kind of stories right you could talk about like minority report mm-hmm. or even even the just like all surveillancey ones, right? Like yeah. nineteen eighty four, right? They they like can just tell, or they mm-hmm. they've looked too deeply at you, and now even though you haven't done anything yet, you're in trouble. Yeah, which I think, yeah, is a... and that's and that's actually being put into use. I was just reading an article the other day about um, yeah. certain police precincts having a list of people who they suspect mm-hmm. are more likely to cause or be involved in certain crimes right. based on history, based on arrest records, based sure. on demographics, on zip codes, like all these things. And they already have a list of people they're going to oh, watch, yeah. Yeah, which I mean, come on. of course leads to them being arrested more because they're being watched more, yeah. you know, because Honestly, they're yeah, in these I mean, situations. You, I'm sure like if we just let full observation happen, you know, I mean, even if it wasn't humans, if you just machine learning, watch people 24 seven, you could predict probably almost every violent crime yeah. right right yeah. the question is what did they pay to do that like what yeah. was the cost yeah, yeah. Um, but on some level you'd be like yeah we stopped crime there's yeah. no more murders or yeah. there's so few yeah as far as the extrapolated technologies go like this is the entire black mirror series mm, right so that's how they do it every yeah. episode is just like take a technology yeah. push it forward yeah. a little bit and or see. some aspect of culture yeah, like see how it's a nightmare yeah. Things for points, yeah. aka oh, yeah. getting likes on your Facebook posts and yeah. hearts on your Instagram posts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, those are nice. I mean, it's funny, like, uh, way to explore, like, mm-hmm. what's the smallest thing you could change that would take your society from what you'd consider fine to dystopian, yeah. Yeah. right? 
That keeps you so optimistic in life. We found it. Oh, there it is. That's why. I'm <laughs> totally. Hmm. <laughs> okay. What else we got? Um, we but, talked. I think one of the main we touched on a little bit was this ties into often the post-apocalyptic ones, mm-hmm. but this idea of isolation or starting over. Oh yeah. Which uh, doesn't necessarily have to be post-apocalyptic. Could be like I can think of some video games like mm-hmm. like the setting for StarCraft, for Homeworld, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, where you have a group of people that have left a planet yeah, like or settlers, isolated. or yeah. like like a colonization right. ship, or like yeah. an, like a silo or something that's yeah. isolated. Yeah, totally. Right. And so this idea of like, okay, how do you build a society? How do you mm-hmm. take a small group of people and make them into yeah a real community? Yeah, well, it's how like do you grow it. Yeah, I mean, it's an unstable deal, right? Like right now. There's just so many people, right? I feel like it cancels out, you know, small actions don't like ripple very well. Like we just average out fast, Hmm. you know, but, but, you know, in a small setting, right? Not so many people, you could do one thing that would have some crazy like effect on the future. Right. Well, I think that ties back to what you were saying earlier of Hmm. reducing the number of people or having, you know, the survivors of apocalypse something that suddenly everyone's important yeah exactly everyone has in that sense power you can affect the like whole future the whole society like yeah you definitely you have much more agency much more power as just being a larger part of the whole now yeah by numbers yeah it's interesting i mean i really wonder like do people behave better or worse that way i mean i think this is like a a real philosophical break point do you think that people are inherently good or not Right. right if there if there are no consequences like in lord of the flies do the kids Put sticks up their butts, sort of. <laughs> or they stab poor piggy. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> or does it go well? Like, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Think of an example. No, and I mean, I don't know that we have really conclusive evidence either way, right? Like, if a if a smaller group, do people tend to behave better or worse? Like, there's probably a lot of there's these interesting examples right where it depends if you think someone's watching you or not mm-hmm. or you think there's an authority figure where you're given some rules right and that goes to like oh sure those famous uh shocking experiments oh, yeah. or yeah, Stanford yeah. prison experiment people and, can be pretty awful yeah but some of that depends on do you think there's a higher yeah power yeah, exactly involved? is there an authority yeah so i mean i wonder like so if you don't have it then what do you do yeah i mean could you i mean suppose hypothesis people behave better when they're in smaller groups when they think they're the only people. Maybe there's like some sort of situation where people, you know, think they're the only ones and they feel really empowered and like motivated and they want to make a good society and they know that it'll be good for their children because there's not this whole sea of infinite people that's going to wash away everything you yeah. did the second you're gone. If it could be proved that people would behave better that way, could you make a, a society of a ton of people out of a lot of people that thought they were the only people? You know Sounds I mean? like a good setting for one of these, like, everyone thinks they're the last 10 people in the world, yeah, but totally. really there's yeah. what billions. What if you could do that? What if you just had, everyone had augmented reality, and we just at some point, like, convinced ourselves to filter out 99.999% of the population? But isn't that what, I think that's this, like, for lack of a better word, dream or goal of people who pioneered social media and think that it really is this great thing is that people should feel more connected to more people right. and act more in this way where you feel like you actually are like if you're living in a small neighborhood you know all your neighbors see all your friends like yeah. you can't just go off do something crazy they're all gonna see you 
you yeah. judge you feel that pressure and you right. act better right right and that's kind of this idea of being connected to more people i don't think it's necessarily so worked out that way act worse <laughs> yeah or it's you know it, in some sense it makes you know more people but in a more impersonal way yeah. that makes sense yeah so it's kind of diluted and yeah. i think it doesn't have that effect totally um hmm. yeah i mean that's one thing i try to not that i get like the road rage but Definitely sometimes get some feelings while riding my bike or driving or walking. And then if you stop and think, like, what if you were just yelling at this car or whatever, and then the window rolls down and see that it was your your friend or your mom right. or, like, your aunt or something, right? You'd feel pretty terrible. And you'd be like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, okay, you made a mistake or you're having a bad day. Like, sure. you know, if that was you. And I think people like, who are... Where's the money, mom? How are you driving this BMW? <laughs> <laughs> Is that my inheritance? <laughs> But I, and I've heard that from people who like use this to kind of get along better with people. It's like, oh, yeah, imagine if it was you. Imagine right. if it was your right. you know, your brother, or your sister. Like, oh yeah, that's yeah, a great that one. that can definitely make sense. It's hard though, right? It's really hard for yeah. people to to do that. You just it's easier to make someone the outsider, someone you don't know, oh, totally. make it impersonal because that kind of absolves you of yeah, that's your the behavior. Thing. Yeah, so like, yeah, the whole anonymizing business would be gone if we could do this right if you could convince everyone that they were one of a hundred or something yeah but uh, it's an interesting thing that you don't actually even without some weird technology or without being shot into space or on an island or whatever you get these isolated societies like inside a society mm-hmm. right so like the one that comes to my mind is like any kind of mob movie or situation so you have this like wholly separate society within a society that you can enter and it has like totally different rules. And I mean, to me is definitely dystopian, right? Godfather or any kind of thing where there's like, it's inescapable. There's like crazy people that answer to no one. Like death is rampant. Like mm-hmm. there's no justice. There's no, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just awful to me. And yet, you know, it exists inside a regular society um you don't actually have to go anywhere yeah to make it yeah so is there any other maybe subcultures that fit into that i'm trying to think mm. dystopian subcultures <laughs> yeah i'm sure <laughs> but it might be true of any kind of like smaller subculture right is that it's a smaller group of people. They have their own rules. What so makes you right. part of the group or not? And like, yeah, if you like, get ostracized, if you do something that... Oh, yeah. Scientology. <laughs> there we go. Boom. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, that sounds pretty fucking dystopian to me. Right? Yeah. That's also one of my m- m- more fascinating topics is isolated type things like Scientology. Like right. Right. Yeah. Or any kind of cult really like is definitely this. Right. Mm. I mean, those are really, that's like the brainwashing is the apocalypse, right? Where you just sever ties and destroy everything that connected you to the other society. And now you can somehow exist in this new vacuum, you know, in the middle of everyone else. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, that, that really goes against my weird optimistic belief that isolated groups behave better. (laughs) (laughs) We've got some clear counter examples. But I, okay, well, we could just think of it statistically, right? Maybe you get a bunch of weird cult psychopaths, but like, if they really believed they were the only 50 people, like, how much damage could they really do? They can't see anyone else. <laughs> yeah, they drink the Kool Aid, but statistically, everyone's happier. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah. I think one of my favorites, even though we didn't mention briefly, was Canticle for Leibowitz. Oh, yeah. It's very much like a classic post-apocalyptic rebuilding, mm-hmm. you know, what does it mean to pick up the pieces of society after it's, you know, yeah. 1950s or 80s, whatever society that's been destroyed. Like, yeah. How does it get pieced together? What do you think of it? Was the role of religion and technology and yeah, it's also like kind of cyclic, right? Like, right. You know, at yeah. the end, you're like, "Fuck, is it happening again? Is this just yeah. what people do?" Like, yeah, yeah, it's something very much born out of the time period it was, it was you know, yeah. written. But yeah, it's it's really fantastic. Mm. Like I said before, like, you know, this was one of the first times with nuclear war and stuff that you know science backed up. The apocalypse right, right? right it wasn't whatever but you know actually like looking back i mean there probably were scientists you know way back in the day that would say you know oh we read the seasons and the blah right and it's or definitely the, bones the end of and, days yeah. like they were scientists back then that was yeah. the equivalent yeah. we've just shifted the authority yeah yeah but there's like always been this weird desire to i don't know are we trying to control the apocalypse is that why we're obsessed with it by like envisioning it is it a control thing? Because, I mean, probably, you know, humanity did get fucked up a lot in the past by apocalyptic type of events, right? Volcanoes probably happened, floods or whatever, like... Yeah, people get wiped out. Droughts and so on, like, yeah. oh, shit, a whole society's just gone, you know, like, yeah. that happened. Yeah. And there probably were, like, myths and legends about it, and it was scary, and everything was out of your control. And so maybe it, it's just a way of dealing with it that we evolved to, like plan out the apocalypse you know it's like a way to take control of it yeah i mean maybe that's rooted in this idea of survival right you're at the whim of the seasons Mm -hmm. of the oceans and the the rains and all these things could have yeah for most of our you know species history that just wipes you out you have no control over that we do a little better now to some degree depending on where but yeah yeah maybe it like makes you braver too you know how the like this happens a few times in in movies or whatever that you learn your own death. You mm. somehow learn the circumstances of your death. Right. And then, therefore, everything else that happens to you, you're never afraid. Like, this isn't how I die. I know when I die, it'll be like this. So now you're just inv- invincible, right? <laughs> Basically, because you know your own death. You just. But I feel like it always gets twisted where, yeah, you know, you're missing that part and yeah, self-fulfilling. Yeah, and some, yeah, just to make it poetic or whatever. Well, because I think because most time the people are trying to avoid that somehow. They think they can change it and yeah. they end up walking right to it. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the idea the... of embracing it instead of being like, well, I know I don't die until we down, so I'm just going to go do whatever. Right? Yeah, but but I mean, I'm saying like maybe society does this too. Like, don't worry, everyone. When the apocalypse comes, you're going to see a fucking comet and it's going to do this. And, and if it's not those three things, it's not the end. So just stay calm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know there's bees seeding everyone and we're all dying of a plague. But like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like maybe it was a positive thing sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, because like every society has some vision of apocalypse, yeah. right? Like, it's... Well, I feel like it's always you put it at that time where it's coming soon. Yeah. It's around the corner, but yeah. it's not here yet. Yeah. But yeah, it's ne- no one ever predicts, well, I don't know, I guess mm-hmm. they do, but not typical where they predict like, yeah, for sure the world's going to end in 25,000 years. Yeah, yeah, well. You know, you they'll be like, more like, oh, it's going to happen in five years or a hundred years, like, you know, on the human yeah. time scale. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Human lifetime scale. Yeah, I, oh yeah, dude. I have my own apocalyptic prophecy. Yeah? <laughs> you have a date? 
I do. I can't remember. I vaguely remember, but one time I was playing SimCity when I was in like middle school, uh-huh. and one time I got the like perfect society built. It was mm-hmm. like flat, biggest map ever, maxed out population, and was just happy as heck. Yeah. And I just set it to super fast speed and then yeah. left it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to come back, you know, in a week and see what happens yeah. to these people. And anyway, I came back and the game had somehow glitched at like the year 3753 or something. Yeah. And like time had stopped, basically. And you could do whatever you wanted to the game, like cut power or do a tornado or something. And no one would be affected because there was no time to propagate so you the hit the end of, end of time. Yeah. So really, yeah, I guess that's what it was. And, and since I said it, we'll stick to it. It's 3752. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, first folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bad to put a real date on it. Anyway, but my, my question is like, is Apocalypse predicting uh, just a bug of human society that we just happen to always acquire because it's just a tick that we have or is it a feature or yeah is it a feature did we need it did the societies that won have to have that hmm. a question for the uh historians and yeah. the anthropologists and the phone lines are open yeah we're waiting oh wait it's not live <laughs> <laughs> oh wait i don't even have a phone <laughs> emails are open yeah please feel free you can email us at tangentspace at protonmail.com. We don't get enough spam in there, so... Yeah, definitely go for it. Flood it. <laughs> Actually, that does make my day when I get the crazy emails. I love that shit. So what's the point of all this apocalypse and dystopian talk? Hmm. Ain't so bad? Wake <laughs> up, make your bed, eat your veggies, do your dishes? The world's not over... But this episode is. Yeah, I'm Thanks so. for joining us on Tangent Space. <laughs> Go forth and make your own utopia or dystopia. It is as, up to you now. As you will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you next time. Get, find us on our website tangentspacepodcast.com and wherever podcasts are sold, downloaded listened to transmitted into your brain <laughs> I feel for sold <laughs> if you didn't pay money for this episode you owe us